It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCW Sitka. Today is Monday, November 14th. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this is Raven News. More than half of Alaska students tested below grade level in reading and math this spring. That's according to the Alaska System of Academic Readiness Scores released by the State Department of Education on Thursday. 70% of 3rd through 9th graders were not proficient in English, while 77% were not proficient in math. Education Department Commissioner Heidi Teschner called the results dissatisfactory. We are in a situation that no state likes to be in. Uh, We have far too many students that are not proficient in the subject areas um, that are not just the foundation of the rest of the school, but um, for the economy and the entire society. Teschner said she hoped the results would motivate parents to talk to teachers about their kids' scores. Seventh and eighth grade students demonstrated the greatest need for support. Seventh graders needed the most support in English, while eighth graders needed the most math support. The department's assessments director, Elizabeth Greninger, said that could be due to the pandemic. Those students had missed potentially some instruction in the fourth to fifth to sixth grade range. And we know specifically in math that there are some foundational skills that are in the standards for those grades that really serve as a a foundation for the Eighth, seventh and eighth grade instruction in mathematics. This was the first time students took the Alaska System of Academic Readiness Assessment, so officials could not compare these results with previous years. The Alaska Reads Act, which was signed into law this summer, goes into effect on July 1st. In the meantime, Teschner said the department will provide training opportunities for teachers to learn new ways to teach reading. Next year's statewide tests will also include a reading assessment for kindergartners, first graders, and second graders. Republican congressional candidates Sarah Palin and Kelly Chewbacca are both likely to lose their races once the Division of Elections tabulates ranked choices on November 23rd. But they aren't bowing out yet. Both candidates are making vague accusations of malfeasance and speaking of unspecified election fights ahead. Alaska Public Media's Liz Ruskin reports. With just first-choice votes counted, Palin is 20 percentage points behind Democrat Mary Peltola. So far, it appears to be a replay of the August special election, which Peltola won. Only this time, Peltola's initial lead is even greater. Palin could still win if she got enough second-choice ballots, but it's unlikely. In social media posts after the election, Palin cast blame on fellow Republicans for splitting the vote and on Alaska's ranked choice voting system, which she called un-American, though courts have deemed it legal. Palin also made herself out to be a winner and said she'd continue to fight. In anticipation of an announcement of victory, uh, being able to, and it's a privilege to, uh, announce and appoint Jerry Ward as chief of staff. And The final election results won't be known until second choices are tabulated, which the Division of Elections announced months ago will occur on November 23, the day before Thanksgiving. Palin, though, tried to cast doubt on the validity of the election and suggested the delay was some kind of glitch. In fact, Division of Elections alludes to the idea of maybe not having results in the Alaska congressional race until Thanksgiving. 
Jason Gren, executive director of Alaskans for Better Elections, says there's no evidence of fraud or corruption of the vote. He says Palin has no cause to undermine faith in Alaska's election. I think Alaskans uh, should be proud of the division elections and proud of the lieutenant governor's office for handling you know, this so well and also should feel confident in the security of our system. Kelly Chewbacca isn't conceding either. She's ahead of incumbent Lisa Murkowski in the U.S. Senate race, but her lead has shrunk to just over one percentage point, about 3,000 votes. Murkowski is expected to overtake her on second-choice votes once Democrat Pat Chesbro is eliminated and her 20,000 ballots are reallocated. The day after the election, Chewbacca went on a right-wing podcast asking for contributions to help her in possible legal battles ahead. So we're anticipating a whole bunch of shenanigans here in these next couple months between now and January to try and hold on to the Murkowski monarchy. And that's why I really need your help. Our race is not over and I'm not going to give up this fight. Chewbacca spoke on Bannon's War Room, hosted by Steve Bannon, a former presidential advisor to Donald Trump. She did not say how she intended to fight or whether she intended to initiate a fight or play defense. She's previously said she would accept the election outcome as long as she believed nothing went, quote, super wrong. Chewbacca's campaign did not respond to a request to clarify her remarks, neither did Palin's. Both candidates were supported by former President Trump, who caused national turmoil by refusing to accept that he lost the 2020 election, though he's provided no evidence of fraud that has held up in court. Palin has said she believes the unsupported claim of a stolen election. Chewbacca, an attorney, did not go as far, but has questioned its legitimacy. Reporting from Anchorage, I'm Liz Ruskin. It's been more than two months since U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski visited Unalaska to address cleanup of contaminated lands, land the federal government conveyed to the state's Alaska Native peoples decades ago through the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. Murkowski is the vice chairman of the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs, which organized the Unalaska hearing. At the hearing, Murkowski directed the Bureau of Land Management to take the lead on coordinating cleanup. She said she wanted an answer by the end of the week. That was in August. Now, two months later. They have not accepted that they should be the coordinating agency. Murkowski says although BLM has not accepted the coordinating role, that doesn't mean there hasn't been any progress. Instead, the Environmental Protection Agency has taken the reins. Where we are since then is that EPA has um, really stepped into this leadership role and in assuming that lead, um, which I appreciate. Uh, I think I think the uh, uh, the agency people that were there uh, saw very very readily how important this was going to be, not just in in the Unalaska region. Um, but really around the state and how we needed to 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 move to prioritize uh, these contaminated lands cleanup. She says it is significant that the EPA is taking on a coordinating role, but that doesn't clear the next big hurdle, money. Uh, and how we get funding to do this, because you and I both know at the end of the day, we, we not only we not only need the lead agency, but we need the resources to actually get the cleanup going. 
But the results of the U.S. midterm election could change the makeup of the committee, most significantly if Murkowski fails to win re-election. That would impact exactly what happens next and when. This summer, Cook Inlet Tribal Council took young people out berry picking as part of their addiction prevention programming. KTOO's Chen Chen has more. CITC is a tribal nonprofit based in Anchorage. Dr. Angela Michaud is CITC's Director of Recovery Services. With our blueberries, we didn't get enough to make it for the 50 people that were in the room. So we went over to Costco and got some blueberries and mixed it in with the wild blueberries and made our jam that way. Misho says that adapting village traditions to a city like Anchorage helps youth tap into their culture to improve their health outcomes and decrease rates of addiction. Chris Delgado is from an Inupiaq family, was raised in Anchorage, and serves as the prevention supervisor for CITC. And I miss some of the cultural activities of being raised here. Know my Inupiaq name. I think I know how to say the doxology a little bit for my church. But besides that, it's, it's kind of tough. And it is something that, you know, it's going to be slowly forgotten if we don't stop and do something about it. So as long as we get to engage the youth, then I think we're in good shape. Through surveys, CITC has found that participants are consistently not using substances when they're doing cultural activities. Here's Misho again. That's a five-hour period of time that they can say, I didn't drink, use alcohol or drugs, and that they were happy. With these promising outcomes, CITC is using two new federal grants to put Alaska Native cultural education at the forefront of its addiction prevention programs. A recent paper published in a leading medical journal outlined that adolescents who feel more connected to their community, their peers, and their families have up to 66% less risk of substance abuse. Misho says that many prevention programs take a Western medicine curriculum and just add native words to them, but the CITC team has built its curriculum on culture. You're teaching them how to connect with nature. You're getting people outside, away from drugs, alcohol, and abuses, it's flipping it from what's the Western model and plugging it in to this is how we will be healthy and well and plugging in the Western model of care just enough to make it so that, yep, it's still evidence-based. Misho says Indigenous and Alaska Native people led healthy lifestyles for thousands of years. Only in the last 300 years have these health issues related to addiction appeared. We were okay, and then we weren't. And now we just go back to what we know, and we're okay. And these events aren't just one-off get-togethers. Many youth participants join one event and then continue to sign up for others, even getting involved in other programs CITC offers to bolster employment and high school graduation rates. In Anchorage, I'm Chen Chen. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.